to read Back to Reality, the best-selling novel of the bestseller experiment by the two marks, go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash back to reality. And subscribe to this podcast to get loads of extra bonuses. Go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash subscribe. Let's run the show. And welcome to the bestseller experiment where we continue to discover what makes a bestseller and inspire you to start finish and publish your book i'm mark stay and i'm mark devoe and before we dive into this really inspiring episode we'd like to thank our sponsors pro writing aid pro writing aid are the official editing software of this mad podcast it's so much more than a grammar checker it's a style editor and a writing mentor all in one package. And what's more, Prorating Aid integrates with Scrivener, which is what I use, and Word, Google Docs, Chrome, Safari, Firefox, OpenOffice, and Outlook, and so much more. It's designed for the smarter writer, so if you would like to get a whopping 20% off, as listener of The Best Seller Experiment, you just need to go to prowritingaid.com, choose your license length, and enter the discount code BXP. That's BXP. And talking of BXP, some people don't even know what that means, Mark. We should probably explain, shouldn't we? Well, probably... Bestseller, bestseller experiment. Expats. Big expats. Big expats, that's right. Yes. <laughs> oh, how are you, Mr. Stay? I'm in a groove. I'm in a really good groove. I've this this last week or so, I've been getting up early, starting writing at seven thirty, finishing about nine thirty, oh. and then doing a bit of housework. And that's seven thirty to nine thirty. I am hitting about eleven, twelve hundred words a day. Wow, which has been great. And I, I'm I, I'm pantsing this novel. I did a blog about it a couple of weeks ago, saying I'm pantsing the pants off this and loving it. <laughs> I, um, I did uh, I did a sort of one pager outline sort of eight, 900 words. So I know where I'm going, but I am basically making up, up as I go along. And it's a sequel. I've never done a sequel before. It's a sequel to a thing that might be coming out next year. Wow. And, and uh, it's great. I'm really, it's a bit scary. And the thing I'm doing, so I'm writing, I'm writing, and then I'm kind of usually finishing halfway through a chapter or mid-sentence or whatever. And I, I, I have a couple of bullet points of where I might be going. But then I've got a notebook, and at some point during the day, and housework is great for this, hanging out the washing, doing the washing up. I go, oh, yeah, they should do that. And then quickly writing it down. So the next morning when I'm getting in at 7.30, I open up the notebook. Ah, that's what I should do today. And I tell you what, it's such a great groove. It's that thing where the momentum's going, yada, 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 off we go. And it's all, all because the lady loves the BXP 2020 challenge. <laughs> So this is what, you know, because when the whole lockdown started, I completely lost it. I wasn't writing. I just finished working on a script, which wiped me out. And I started with short stories, 200 words a day. But now, a couple of months later, boom, you know, I am I'm rocking and rolling. So uh, loving all it. Good. All good. That's I'm a long sorry. way of saying I'm fine. Thank you. Oh, excellent. No, no, I love it. No, that's that's super exciting to hear because. When I was doing a uh, class on getting the writing habit for life, one of my big top five points was about starting early in the day. And what you've mm. just said there totally, totally lands that. And I think it's really important. People don't realize this, but if you do your writing early in the day, I don't care if you're a night owl. Come on, flame me on Twitter. <laughs> 
Uh, honestly, <laughs> seriously, if you want to, if you want to have it on Twitter with me around around the stories we tell ourselves about when we can write, I'm up for that. I really am. No, honestly, I'm here to support everyone. Um, I understand if you want to write late, but also write early as well if you can. Because Mark's just said something really important there. If you start early in the morning, you start the cogs going. And then yeah. when you're hanging up the washing, you're still developing your story. You mm. get a 16 hours of work on your book subconsciously rather than leaving it till like two in the morning, which is what I used to do. Honestly, I used to kind of start writing. I'd be like, oh, kids are in bed. Okay, I'm going to start writing now. And I'd try and squeeze my words in. And, you know, you're dead. Your, your brain is mush. And then you go to sleep and you forget everything <laughs> that you wanted to write. So that there's there's something really big here. And I'm I'm delving deep into the science of this because I really want to understand it. I'm doing some really interesting work right now around it. And one thing that we should kind of semi-reveal to people is if anyone's a member of Patreon, if anyone is signed up to the Best Seller Experiment and supporting this podcast, we do these things called deep dives. Well, Mark and I for the last year are working on something that goes even deeper than mm. deep dive. We're talking like oh. free diving, aren't we? Like without oh, oxygen. It's like the Mariana Trench, baby. It is. It's the Mariana Trench. So we're going you, you to, like, we're, we're teasing this out. I know it's taken us forever to do, and it's, it's a lot mm. of work, which is, why, yeah, which is why we're not announcing it. But we are going to announce it. And when we do, I think, I'm oh, hoping people are going to be very excited because we're going to go to depths that we've never gone to on the podcast before, right? Depths of so, um, degradation. <laughs> exactly. So there's a, whole, there's a whole underwater theme happening in our podcast right now. So um, one thing that's super important is that we firstly want to thank everyone who's supporting us on Patreon. There's been some, you know, even through the lockdown, people are signing up and helping support this podcast, going supporting the arts, supporting creativity, and ensuring that we can bring you this podcast and continue this podcast. So um, thank you so much to everyone who's who's already signed up. Um, it's a growing group of merry band of bandits, isn't it? I've got, I've got some new names. So ladies and gentlemen, um, whatever you're doing, uh, please be upstanding uh, and, and pray silence for these wonderful, wonderful people who are supporting us on Patreon. Thank you so much to Rose Thompson. Our eternal gratitude to Alan Feldberg. All our best wishes to Caleb Herman. To Kel Shaw, you shine like the sun. And to Sasha Green. Now, Sasha upgraded... So we've got different grades. She upgraded to Chart Topper. That means Sasha gets the live show. She gets episodes early. She can join the BXP group on Facebook. Sasha, we salute you. So to all of you good, good, wonderful people, thank you so much. Because seriously, without your support, this would end very, very quickly. So uh, thank Absolutely. you so much. Yeah. yeah. And if you'd like to join this incredible group of people that support this podcast, I know you've been thinking about it forever. Everyone always says that, oh, yeah, I've been, I've been thinking about it forever now. This is the moment to do it. Pop along to bestsellerexperiment.com as we are chatting in your ear. Pop along, get get your phone out, get your get your laptop out. Bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support and you can sign up and feel all those lovely, warm, fuzzy feelings as well as getting all the incredible benefits. So um, Mark, on that note of, of people who have been doing incredible things this, this last few weeks, there's been a lot on social media happening. And in the spirit of this lockdown, we want to bring the good news up front. Well, it's always good news, but we're going to bring <laughs> the, the best news up front. And as always, I mean, there's, there's a massive momentum on social media right now. So many great things happening. I'm going to, I'm going to start with um, the good news from the, our BXP team, which is the f exclusive Facebook group. And you've got best-selling authors there who will answer your questions and, and just a, such a great, fantastic community. So, I just said, you know, 
Give us your good news. So uh, Penny Johnson, uh, Penny Johnson said, beta readers love my latest book on pre-order now. It's called Playing With Fire. Histori- it's an historical romance. So uh, that, that's great. So that's up for pre-order. Uh, Robin Sarti, now she writes under the name Arlie Jacobs. So her new book under that name, Crosswinds, which is a thriller, is coming very, very soon. It's launching on Saturday. So that's last Saturday. So by the time you listen to this, it's out. Crosswinds, go grab it. Uh, Tom go Foot, for it. At the time of writing, he's a thousand words away from getting my first novel over the finish line. Woo! Yes, go for it, Tom. So close. <laughs> so close. Penilla Hughes, our old friend Penilla Hughes. This is great. So her new novel, probably the best kiss in the world. It got a mention in the Waitrose Weekend paper, which she says, which wow. has made my mind. Now, Waitrose, for, big. for people outside of the UK, Waitrose is the... It's the supermarket where you you actually make sure you're dressed smart when you go there. Isn't yeah, it? You, don't, yeah, you, you wear a bra yeah. and pants, right? I mean, <laughs> it's like <laughs> absolutely no. Waitrose is like the creme de la creme, if you like, of uh, of, of British grocery shopping i think we can say mark yeah, so you get a free coffee now don't you when you go in there that i mean who gives a free coffee when you go shopping i know and it's it's that you know where's mark suspensers maybe once held that crown they did the colin the caterpillar cake yeah, i think I we think, destroyed them didn't we that was our fault i think i think in waitrose isn't it farquhar a caterpillar cake it's, it's just a high price <laughs> um Angela Nurse. Angela Nurse says she's finished draft one. Farquhar the sorry, Farquhar the frog. There you (laughs) go. Okay, bring it on. Angela Nurse (laughs) has finished the first draft of book two of her private detective series, and she started studying for a life coaching diploma. Bit of competition there, Mister D. There we go. Um, Oh, that's awesome! Congratulations. Yeah, you can. Sorry, Benedict the Beetle. I thought, oh, sorry. I saw a thing about Benedict Cumberbatch in a dodgeball match today. So I can't get that out of my head. Frank Bosco, he's completed a 70,000 word first draft of his book, Ask Us for Directions. He's about 20% through draft two, which is fantastic. Also, today is his 25th wedding anniversary. He said, needless to say, Aww. we're saying in. Congrats, can, Frank. Can um, I just say, though, that that is, I mean, that's a double whammy right there, isn't it? Because, mm. like, let's be honest, let's be honest. Writing is a, is a soul a sole job. I mean, it's not something you can typically share with your spouse. So I say anyone who reaches 25 years, congratulations, especially if you're a writer, because that is, that is incredible bit of equilibrium balancing going on right there. Yeah. So. By the way, Mark, by the way, Mark, um, Sebastian, the seahorse. Okay. <laughs> Josh Josh has posted 21 short stories, one per week in 2020. This is Josh Atkinson, who writes at JW Atkinson. Uh, This is just incredible. Josh, congratulations. Gavin Ralph, this is a good one. And we're going to circle back to this later because this is all about the 2020 challenge. Uh, Gavin says, I self-published something for the first time on the weekend. It grew from some flash fiction I started to meet my BXP 2020 commitment while the first draft of my novel was marinating. I was so amused by my characters it grew into a 22,000 word novella it's called Duck and Dive it's a gay rom-com about a guy trying to come out to his mates and failing spectacularly uh, <laughs> it says, sounds I th- great I thought I might as well do a proper job of it than upload it's quite the process but now I've done it it feels much less daunting so that's Duck and Dive by Gavin Ralph Gavin salute you sir fantastic that's fantastic work. Gavin and on that note Gavin I'm giving you Archibald the Antelope Cake um <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, what have I unleashed? 
Um, James Keep Sharp. Going, James Sharp has finished part one of the first draft of his second book. Twenty-five thousand words into that. So that's fantastic. Jackie Kirkham. Ah, uh, oh, here's an interesting one. I asked her for good news. This is a bit of good news for us. She says last year. I bought a friend a copy of Back to Reality. It's taken her until a month or so ago to actually read it. (laughs) (laughs) But she told me to tell you that she loved it and Aww. couldn't put it down. So thank you, Jackie, Worth and your way. friend. Yes, that's brilliant. That's awesome. Uh, if she could leave a review wherever she um, Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, we should just we should just we get we get new podcast listeners every week, and some people just dive straight into episode three hundred million thousand, whatever we're up to now. But if you don't know what Back to Reality is, it's a book that Mark and I wrote. If you if you haven't listened to season one, which is the first year of this podcast, um, do yourself a favor, pop back and listen to it, like in between these shows, and you'll hear the story of how Mark and I attempted the car crash journey of writing a bestseller. But if you haven't read the book, I would read it as an accompaniment. You, it'd be kind of quite fun, wouldn't it, Mark, to kind of read it as an accompaniment each week as you listen to that first series. It's on audiobook, ebook, and uh, paperback as well. And uh, yeah, thank you to everyone who's reading it and sending us great feedback. The audiobook is particularly good. It it's is pretty good. It's yeah. such a great reading, such a great reading. Um, Elizabeth Hurley. Elizabeth Hurley has, uh, now she writes under another name as well. She's writing as Eva St. John. Her book, The Quantum Curators and the Fabergé Egg, is coming out any day now as well. So congratulations on that, Elizabeth. Uh, Steve Gowland. My better half has submitted her rom-com, Another Century, to five different publishers for consideration. Fingers crossed. So big fingers crossed for you and your other half there, Steve. And uh, Craig... You're you're whipping whipping through these too quickly. You're not letting me get a word in edgeways. Because it's just so uh, much. It's so I, much. I, no, I know, but but I want to just award the last three the Lucinda the Llama <laughs> cake from Waitrose. They're going to do one of them, right? I hope I'm not offending anyone who's got. Po- I've, I'm actually on a site called PoshNames.com. <laughs> yes, yeah, <it says> Mr. <laughs> Devoe. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> Mr. Devoe de Marigny. Actually, if you'd like to know, that is actually my full name. Whoa, whoa, reveal whoa, what? reveal what yes hey, he left wide. it till what? episode 200 and bloody blah what is the full what is this what yeah my full my full name are you ready for this this is hysterical it's me taking the mickey out of posh names mark devoe de marigny <laughs> so it's mark of the valleys of marigny wow I, it's bonkers isn't it so and you, the thing are, is are you like descended from french royalty or something uh well Yes, actually. <laughs> so, did, you, did you order no, skates for the Scarlet Pimpernel? Is that it? <laughs> this is for real. Apparently, um, my my I, I'm obviously letting the side down here, but my ancestors fled from France during the French Revolution to avoid getting their heads chopped off. Oh my God! I know. What it's bonkers, isn't it? There's so much to unpack here. First of all, why is it? <laughs> Why is it taking you so long? Where's the novel? Where's the we, memoir? Historical novel? We haven't based got. On this? We haven't got onto the. We we never did posh names before on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that oh bonkers? My God. Yeah, we have a really interestingly interesting history. Apparently, my dad's done a lot of research on it. He's done. He's done a lot of the family tree going back to like seventeen something. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So there we go. We'll, we'll, we'll unpack that over the next few months, maybe. I'll kind of reveal little tidbits. And... <laughs> this, stay, so sub- I am. Subscribe on your podcast uh, provider right now, folks. You are not going to want to miss this. I know I'm not. 
Wow. Sorry, I'm being really disruptive today. I don't know. I'm in a really silly mood. Um, we said this was going to be a quick one. We've got our special guest. We've got so much to talk about. I know. We said, oh, we'll do what, a quick hour. We'll do a quick hit, yeah, because we've got so much post to do on the interview. And here I am. Anyway, um, crack on, Mark. I'm, I'm going to stop on the cakes, I promise. I will stop, I promise. Well, look, last one. Uh, Craig Anderson is hosting a two-hour online workshop on online publishing for a local college next week. I'm pretty excited. And this is this is a, this is all from the BXP team, folks. So if you support us on on Patreon, you get uh, on the top tier, you get access to these. So we're talking about people who are publishing books. They're doing talks online. They're they're in the Waitrose magazine. You know, this is the these are all people. You know, just just a few years ago, some of them weren't published at all, and we've all come up together. So come and join us. This is just the best group on Facebook, period. And if Waitrose ever does Marmaduke the Marmot, <laughs> then we'll be sharing that cake, for every, every a slice for everyone who joins the BXP team. Oh, Lord save us. That would be awesome, <laughs> isn't it? I'm done. I'm done on it. So, so this, this, but there's so much good news, Mark. And the thing that I love about this is that we're going through one of the hardest times. Well, okay, not if I said the word humanity, that's probably or humankind. That's a little bit probably too big. But for for our lifetime, and and you know, for 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 people of you know the 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 younger generation, should we say? This is the craziest time that people ever lived through, and it yeah. really fills my heart, warms my heart that people are uh, focusing on things that they can affect and they're focusing on things which are positive in their life. Yes. And you know what? It really makes me appreciate even more just how incredible writing is because there's so many things that you could do or you could want to do right now, which you can't for whatever reason. You know, if, you, if, you're, if your hobby or if your craft, if your creativity is, involves having to go somewhere and do things, um, you can't you can't do it in many places in the world right now but it's, isn't it incredible when you think about just how valuable writing is as an outlet for so many things but particularly right now i think i, th- I found a new a new level of appreciation for it i don't know if, don't know if you've discovered that as well mark oh it's it's like i mean like i said that two hours in the morning for me it's like a deep bath you know, it's my escape. It is my happy place. Yeah. And I know we, we don't want to make people feel bad if, if their mental health is in a state where they can't write at the moment. Um, but seriously, 200 words a day, try it. This is, Absolutely. This is, but, and I will you know, say, though, that if you, if, it's a bit like, you know, if, you, if you're really struggling to write, it's that moment where you might say, like you say, Mark, just, just do, just try it. Try yeah. it. 200 words, 10, not even 10, 15 minutes. Because it doesn't take much to get past that mental kind of block of I just can't I can't do this right now and I think once you break past that it can give you a bit of momentum and it might even help pull you up out of that place where the dark place where a lot of people might be right now yeah um so so do do try it do try it I think we really want to encourage you to write anything just write how you're feeling about about the situation it could be a it could just journal it doesn't have to be a story i mean it's all stories we're all writing our own stories even when we journal but just just write write something i've got um we're going to do some more social media just from twitter at the end uh, and there is Perfect. one wonderful tip for writing at the end so i'm going to keep that at the end so stay tuned because one Excellent. of our listeners sent something in which i think is just an amazing idea so we'll uh, we'll talk about that but hey talking about choosing to be positive Let's oh. ah segue. Look at that, eh? Shall, I shall, shall pro, we... you're a true pro, Mark. <laughs> I love, this is why I work with you. I only work with the best. 
or who's available. But uh, <laughs> absolutely, exactly. <laughs> or cheap, or free. No, no. But it, it's it's really yeah. This is an absolutely amazing, amazing interview. It's one of my favourite interviews of the year so far. I, I think I, I could say, and also a positive interview, something that's going to lift you. Mark got a chance to speak with the most incredible author, best-selling author, multi-million-selling author, Adele Parks. Give us a bit of background to Adele's life, Mark. Adele launched her career with a novel called Playing Away in 2000, which was a, a Sunday Times bestseller. She's now been writing for 20 years. She's just published her 20th novel in 20 years. It's called Just My Luck. It came out just a couple of weeks ago, Just My Luck. And it's all about the highs and lows of winning the lottery. It's, it's such a great premise. You'll hear about it in there. She sold three and a half million copies in the UK. She's been sold and translated into 26 different languages. But up till now, up till Just My Luck, she published 19 novels in 19 years. Every single one of them hit the Sunday Times bestsellers. And we recorded this before the publication of Just My Luck. So she didn't know if she was going to keep that run going. So that, that's part of the tension in this. It's, it's like she's, the book is... Just, and this is publishing in the most extraordinary times. You know, high street bookshops are closed. You've got supermarkets, you've got Amazon. That's kind of it, you know? Yeah. So there, it's, it's never has there been a more uncertain time to publish. So we'll, we'll reveal the latest at the end. But this is yeah. there's some wonderful stuff in here, really, really wonderful stuff. So, it's absolutely uh, brilliant. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. And for, for our friends in North America, the Sunday Times list uh, is basically the equivalent of the New York Times bestseller list. That's the UK version of it. So it shows you just how incredible an achievement that is. But let us dive in and listen to the most incredible interview with the absolutely lovely Mark Stay and the even <laughs> more lovely Adele Parks. Let's run the tape. Adele, welcome to the bestseller experiment. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Lovely to be here. Oh, it's wonderful to have you on the show. And this is a very special occasion for you because you are about to publish your 20th novel in 20 years. Just Yay! my luck. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that is incredible. I mean, the the... And each one of those 20 novels, as as well, the 19 so far, they've all hit the bestseller lists. Yeah, uh, no pressure. Exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, I would look foolish, wouldn't I, right in the middle of it, you know, 20 in and go, oh, no, she kind of lost it. No, let's hope that doesn't happen. How did it How did it all start for you? You'd always wanted to write, hadn't you? I did. So I think, um, I mean, there's no right a wrong way is it every one of your listeners who are writers that have all come to it in different ways and for me as a child I always always wanted to be a writer from being a little girl I used to stay with my grandparents at the weekend because my parents worked at the weekends as well as through the week and so we'd stay with grandparents and I think I was quite a handful just reading between the lines now as an adult because <laughs> my granddad would encourage me to first of all read they always had books and comics for us and then after I'd read quite quickly I think I got through my books quite quickly he used to suggest oh why don't you write one Adele and then I would give it to him he'd go why don't you illustrate it and then he'd say why don't you color all the little letters in which clearly means please go away um <laughs> but at the end of the weekend he would pay me 50p uh, you know and a 10 year old or something by the time I was writing. wow that's a lot of money so you yeah yeah that's probably what, if you scale it up, it's probably what we're all being paid about now. You know what I mean? So, um, <laughs> so uh, 
was really good and I loved the fact I could entertain and I always turned to books first my entertainment and I turned to writing if ever I was needed to work something through all my life but as um, I so I went to university I read English but after I graduated I hit that wall where you realize uh, certainly back then there wasn't a clear path of how still don't think there is, of how to become a published writer. And I sort of lost my nerve a bit, thinking, what do you think you are? You know, you're a 21-year-old, you're from the northeast of England, you don't know a single person in publishing, you've never met a live writer ever, or even a dead one. Um, <laughs> you know, because I said that, I thought that's so weird. Um, so, you know, what makes you think you can do this? So I actually did a number of other things. I went to Italy and I worked as a TEFL teacher for a time, kept writing came home, got some work in an advertising agency and started my career there. And actually that went pretty well. I worked in two very great advertising agencies, TBWA and then also Buffalo Bubble and Hegarty. The jobs were going really well. So even I kind of lost the impetus to to do this to do the writing thing. Although I was constantly reading, constantly scribbling, and that's how I would refer to it, oh, I'm a scribbler if I ever told anyone, but you know, most of the time we just didn't even tell anyone. It's so embarrassing, what, what makes you think you can do it? But actually in my late twenties, we went through a very difficult time as a family. We lost a number of family members. Uh, some of them were older and you might expect that, but some of them were younger and they were in some very tragic and difficult circumstances. There were illnesses, but there was also terrible accidents. There was a suicide and there was even, um, this wasn't in the family, but it was a friend, was murdered. And Gosh. I know, right? You couldn't make it yeah. up. If you wrote that in a book, nobody would believe it. No, quite. Yeah. Um, but it made me very insecure about the world. And um, I went to a counsellor and I said to this grief counsellor, uh, look, I don't think I'll ever be happy again. I don't see the joy in the world anymore. And I don't, I don't, I don't think I, I'm, I've lost my way. And she said, look, I don't believe you. Should you come in week after week and you're always cracking jokes and I don't believe you're never going to be happy again. You're just going to take a bit of time finding you're happy. What is it you like to do that you can control that makes you happy? And in the end, I sort of said to her, you know, actually, it's writing. I work and I enjoy my work, but that's not in my control because other people either like a campaign or don't like a campaign or they hire you or they don't hire you. But my writing that I do on a regular basis at home, I can control and I enjoy. And she just said, oh, you should do more of that. And I'm such a girly squat. I didn't hear, you know, oh, go and write for 20 minutes a day. That would be a pleasant uh, hobby. I thought, yeah, you know, she's absolutely right. I'm going to write that novel I've always wanted to write. And um, at the time, I was reading Bridget Jones' Diaries by Helen Fielding, which that's like me and 26 million other people were reading it, I think. <laughs> Such a phenomenal success. It was amazing. And I was newly married. Now, I remember thinking, this is great, and I love it, and it's so entertaining, but it doesn't relate to my life because it's all about going out and finding Mr. Right. And I thought, but there is a huge market there of people who've also bought and read this book over the last five years, whatever it was by that point, um, they will now be at a different stage of their lives. Maybe I could write for them. So I always wrote about relationships once people are in relationships, or I started writing about people that are in relationships. And I wrote this book, Playing Away, not about football. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's easy, it was actually. It's a very filthy book. I look back and I think, I've forgotten the things 
I once wrote about. How did I ever write those things? Anyway, um, I did write those things. And I just wrote that novel. I did it three times a week for two to three hours after work. I did it for four to five hours at least once, either Saturday or Sunday. And it took me a sort of year and a half. And on the eve of my 30th birthday, I took the book, the manuscript, to an agent I had read about. I didn't know him at all. I didn't know any agents, didn't know anybody. And I left it on his reception. And then I traveled back up to Teesside, which is where I am from, to have to celebrate with my family um, my 30th birthday. And when I came back, and this is all obviously 20 years ago, when I came back to my flat in London, there was um, a little flashing light on my answer machine. See, all these ancient things that I'm talking about. And there's a little flashing light on my answer machine, and that uh, was him saying, I like it. Um, we should meet. I want to talk to you about your writing. <gasps> Absolutely amazing. Wow. There's so I much. Even now, even now, I'm like, <laughs> I've got prickles when I think of that one. There's so much to unpack there. We... <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me go one thing. First of all, the 50p that you got paid by your grant, that's probably more than you get for a Kindle promotion now. So well done on that. You were ahead Thank of the game like, from yeah. the very start. The, the grief counsellor thing is fascinating because we had, we had Brian Cranston on the show uh, and he said, if there's a problem in your life, fear not, it could make a good story for you later on. And is it because your books are, are so different, but at the core of each one of your books, there's often a... a, a an absolutely fascinating relationship. You write about real people and real problems. Do you think it comes from that digging deep with a grief counsellor, talking to someone about, you know, friends and family and emotion and stuff like that? I do in part, but in the other part. So I come from, so I born in, I mentioned Teesside, born in Teesside, mum and um, dad, very, I always say very normal. <laughs> they let me go, they're really not, but they are. They're really, you know, dad worked for ICI. My mum did jobs around the kids, whether that was cleaning or packing tea bags in Teddy's factories, you know, she did what she could. Yeah. And um, we, but we had a, a big extended family. And um, we were always, there was always family around. And if there's always family around and largely women talking, mm. they often forget kids are in the room. <laughs> right. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And my sister used to get bored and kind of go off to her own bedroom and play with the toys. And I didn't. I used to sit there and listen and think, oh, that person says that. But when they leave the room, someone else says something different. And then when they come back, they talk about something else altogether. And actually, so-and-so knows this, but so-and-so doesn't know that. And I would just quietly sit there with my biscuits, where they would always have like a big biscuit tin, and I would sit at their feet and keep very quiet so that they would forget about me. And I would learn <laughs> all these secrets. And, um, and that's what I did. And I think, and also apparently, and this doesn't paint me in a good light, but because we are talking to other writers, they will, they will love me for it and they will understand. I never confess this to general readers, but I also was known as a child that listens in at doors. How horrible right. is that? <laughs> That's just awful, it's, isn't it's research, it? It's research. It's it research. Was exactly, yes. Yeah, I think it must have been. So, like, they sent me to bed, and I'd always, like, go to bed really easily, and they'd think, oh, isn't she a great child? And then I'd just sneak down. <laughs> and I think, really, I was listening in to watch the TV, because you yeah. left the doors open, you could kind of watch the TV. But it also just meant you didn't have to go to bed, and you heard adult stuff. And so I think I've always been interested in people's stories and what they are telling you and what they're not telling you. Mm. And the grief counsellor, I think the part that really worked for me there, there were two parts. One, I wrote 
very different books to my experiences. My debut book, quite often the debut book is about somebody's real life and mine was the absolute opposite. My character, Connie, was having a blast. She had great friends, she had a great husband, she then had a great lover, she had great clothes, she had a fabulous job, everything was marvellous. And I know that I was writing that as escapism. Right. And I think that was quite useful because I never had that second book problem because I hadn't written about myself in my first book. Right. And in fact, it took me quite a long time to start bringing myself into my books. I mean, I don't, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm probably in all my books to an extent. But for me to write actual stories that I know that I am kind of going, yeah, that's that's me. I know that's part, partly me. Took to about book four, I think. Um, so I think that was useful. And I think the other thing about a grief counsellor is they make you open up and you become very raw. And I accept that that is part of being a writer. Now, I think all writers have got this real dichotomy because many of us are very, you'll never think this talking to me, but many of us are very private and shy. I'm not shy, but I am private. So there are a lot of things that you then expose yourself. Hmm. And as time has gone on, 20 years down the line, I realized that it's being private is a luxury I no longer have. If I want my characters to be believable and I want my readers to come with me, I do put myself into my work and I do expose myself. I'm careful in interviews, like in, I don't know, press interviews, because especially as a woman author, they quite often want to know, oh, you know, does this relate to a relationship or married twice? You must know about marriages because you've been married twice and, you know, that kind of thing. And Mm. I'm a little bit more careful when there's other people involved. But I think in terms of uh, allowing myself to be honest about my own reactions to people and myself, I'm quite good at exposing myself there. Mm. What's uh, fascinating to me as well is that, you know, 20 novels, 20 years, you've never written to market you always surprise readers with something new thank uh, you i love you well probably but that's too much but but you'll be used to that on the process of this conversation but that's the thing if you were a crime writer and had a, a series you know detective or whatever i could understand that consistency of sales and what have you but you buck the trend does that First of all, is that intentional? And does it frustrate your agent and publishers? Because they always want kind of, you know, the same but different, don't they? They probably do. God love them. Um, They know that that's probably not what they're going to get with me. And I've never been told, no, you can't write that. I've always been in an incredibly lucky position that I've had wonderful supportive teams around me and people that just get as excited as I do about the ideas. And I think I've always worked with professionals that take risks and professionals that know your best book is the book you're most invested in. And so if I come up with an idea and say, I absolutely have to write about the million extra women there were after World War One, they said to me, well, if that is what you absolutely have to write about, Adele, then yes, that is what you absolutely have right. to write about. Um, I, I mean, I also have contracts. So I have a currently, I have um, a three book deal with the, the phenomenal publishers that are at HQ HarperCollins, mm. and you know, it is a, it, it is a contract that says contemporary, but it doesn't say anything more than that. It doesn't say so. And equally, if I went to them and said, oh, you know, this says contemporary, I do actually have another historical idea. I think they just say, well, we'll give you 
another contract or we'll change this contract or we'll find right, a way. Right. They are pretty supportive. But that is down to thank you to my readers because that is the loyalty of my readers and the fact that they have come with me and taken risks. You know, when you're a child and you go into school and every Monday they used to get you to write your news because teachers are nosy as well. <laughs> yes. So true. And then on a Thursday, at least in my school, they would get you to write something creative and it would be something different each week. It might be, you know, why has a flamingo got pink legs or you're a cowboy or you're an astronaut. Everything was different. Mm. I mean, we never limit children's creativity. We never li- limit their imagination and quite right too. So why would we limit professional imaginers i've just made that up professional imaginers also known as authors why would we limit them and actually the very best publishers i think see that and have given me space and as i say it's thanks to my readers coming along with me of which i'm eternally grateful and things have evolved and i think they're grateful that i haven't gone down the same route after playing away with a big hit my number one book i think they, i was really nervous of being the adultery girl Yes, And that literally was a review. Somebody said, oh, my God, I've never read anything so good about adultery. We found our <laughs> adultery girl. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's something I need to go through life with, being labeled as the adultery girl. I can see problems on the horizon. So I on purposely wrote a very different book. I actually wrote about reality TV as my second book. So if anything, I kind of on purposely move against set genres but that's what i mean that's what i I think the temptation particularly if you're a new writer starting out if someone in the in publishing says to you you're good at this do more of this you're inclined to go with that but you you were brave enough to step aside and say actually no i'm going to do something just a little bit different over here and you've done that with pretty much every book haven't you yeah, and it's lovely of you to say brave because I think, I don't know if it's brave or stupid. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Who knows? Or just like maybe not thinking through the consequences because the lovely thing about being the author, you your job is to produce the best book you can possibly produce mm-hmm. and your agent's job is to sell that book to somebody and that publisher's job is then to market that book as best they can mm-hmm. and to get it out into as many hands. So I guess I wasn't, certainly in the early days, I wasn't thinking about the consequences. All I was thinking about was trying to do the book I really wanted to do. Yeah. So I think that's I think that's helpful. Um, but yes, what a lovely compliment. Yeah, thanks for not calling me stupid. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it is, I know what it's like being, you know, that new author. And I, I know what it's like uh, to have when you're new to an industry and people are giving you advice, your inclination is generally to go with it. Um, let's, get, let's go to a listener question uh, and talk about your, your, the way that you work. Uh, uh, Mimo Saar dropped us a line and said, you know, 20 books in 20 years is really impressive. Uh, does Adele write a quick first draft? And then comes the editing, or is it a slow but more polished text? So are you someone who just jumps in there and writes a quick first draft, or are you, or are you more of a planner? I'm a planner. Um, so it, it changed. In my first book, I did definitely just write it and then rewrite it and then rewrite it and then rewrite it. <laughs> but as time has gone on, I've realized that's not a especially efficient way. And because I am producing a book a year, and now spend a lot more time on... Um, promotion and tours and being in other countries and all those fabulous, lovely, exciting things that my career has led me to, I realise I need to be most efficient. And for me, being most efficient is being very clear about what 
I have planned. Mm. Um, and, you know, um, if I know when my book is going to finish up, I find it easier to start it up. So um, that that is just the way I work. I tend to write a thousand to two thousand words every day. I tend to edit as I go along. I take a breath at 50,000 words and read it aloud to my husband. Really? I know. That's wow. a bit different, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he is actually a terrific, he is a terrific person to read to because he's very engaged, but he's also very transparent. He <laughs> has tells. He literally has tells. I can tell him he's like, oh, that's good, and I'm really involved. Oh, yeah, you just kind of lost me. And he has a like sort of slight drifting off that I, and I don't mean falling asleep, although maybe he would. But, um, <laughs> but there's definitely a gaze in his eye that I think, oh, yeah, okay, that needs cutting. Yeah, I've lost him. Or he will pick me up and say, I'm losing track of that character or I'm not convinced on oh, that felt it jumped. So he's quite brutal. And mm. you have to be open to that. You can't ask someone to listen to you, you give up several hours to listen to you, read the book and then and then ignore them. So I do listen to him. And then I plod on and again at eighty to ninety thousand words, and I finished about 110. So but eighty or ninety, when I'm nearly there and I'm pretty convinced it's pretty good, I will read it to him again which galvanizes me because I've read it right from the front all the way through and it galvanizes me for that that last home run. Um, and then poor man has to listen to it for a third of the time. <laughs> I know. God love him. And um, like I buy him lots of chocolate throughout the <laughs> and, um, and then I send it to my editor and my agent. That is that is a great process. I don't think we've ever we've had because I read my books out aloud when I get to the uh, proofing stage. That's just to find typos. I, I wouldn't yeah. dare inflict that on my poor wife. So, <laughs> so. It doesn't work for everyone, but it really works for us. And it, 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 it's a risk. And oh God, we have straps about it. <laughs> when I say we, that's the royal we, because I have a strop about it. Because I will read him something and then he'll go, hmm. And I'm like, what do you mean? Mm, so you hate it? You're saying you hate it? You're saying it's rubbish. You're saying I might as well give up being a writer. And he went, no, I said, hmm. And I'm like, yes, but I know you said you hate it, really. And then I'll flounce out. And then about three seconds later, I'll go back and say things like, yeah, you know I'm unreasonable because I'm a creative type. And he'll say, yes, I know you're unreasonable because you're a creative type. And then I have to take a big deep breath. So it's not, you know, it's not the easiest of processes all the time, but it it, it gets us there. I'm interested. I'm interested in your choice of breakpoints there, because fifty thousand is about the halfway point, which I, I guess for a lot of authors, you know, you're over the the bump there. You've got an end. They've like you. You've got the ending in sight. Why choose that checkpoint? Is that where you're about to make big decisions about where the story goes? No, because I always know where the story is going to finish. But yeah. should I tell you something terrifying? Yeah, this is either going to be the most terrifying thing or your other uh, writer listeners have heard or the most encouraging thing. At 50,000 words, I might throw it out and start again. Right. Okay. How's that? And How's ha that? How many times I has that happened? Three. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So at three occasions, 50,000 words, I don't dump the story, but I might dump the viewpoint. Yeah. Or I might think I need a subplot or I might dump the subplot or there's something quite fundamental has happened three out of 21 because I'm now writing the 21st book. Right, right. So I would say three times out of 21, I thought, nah, that's not going 
making of me. Right. Um, and start it again. And most of the time, it's just to refresh my. So why do I read? Why do I normally read at fifty thousand words? It's normally just to give me a refresher of details because it's quite tricky to remember what yes. somebody said forty thousand words ago. You know, a character said so. It's normally just a refresher and it's quite encouraging and it pushes me on. But occasionally it is that horrible moment where I think, no, no, you can work harder. You can be better. Right. That is absolutely brilliant. And it clearly works. I mean, let's look at your track record. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it is. I remember. So I've only been working with my current editor for three years and I adore her. She's absolutely brilliant. She is totally my soulmate and we got on so well but I forgot that I'd never explained that this happens right. and on the first book I gave to her it was you know I, it was finished and I gave her it as a finished book and she loved it but the second book that I was so the, like the first one I was doing with her I met her one day and I said oh blah blah amazing I'm on 52,000 words and she sort of gave me a look and she said oh when you were on 50,000 words a couple of months ago I went oh yeah I threw that out <laughs> and and the colour drained from her face to the point I was literally looking on the floor waiting for, like, her colour to be seeping into the carpet. And I, I was like, oh, no, don't worry, don't worry, that happens. And she's like, don't, 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 don't you like your book? I was like, no, I love my book. And I, like, wow. <laughs> and I, and I was saying, I was like, I'm at 52,000, you don't need to worry. And she's like, you'd have been at 102. And I was like, no, I wouldn't, though. I would have I would have found a block somewhere and I'm in the right place. And this is why you don't have to edit me much because I'm cruel to myself. You don't have to be cruel to me. Um, so it works for me now. It wouldn't have worked early days, I think. I think I would have found it a bit demotivating early days. Right, yeah. So don't, you know, please read, please readers and listeners and writers do not feel that you have to <laughs> do. It's not the case. Well, let's, let's talk about Just My Luck. How, how cruel were you to yourself when writing your new book, your 20th book, Just My Luck? That was, that was one of them. That was the one where I threw it out at 50. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Great. Great. Yes. So um, that was one of my three. Um, interestingly, Lies, 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 that did actually go to number one, was also what I threw out at 50,000 once. Okay. So I think that gave me the confidence to think, no, this is okay. I can do mm. this. Mm. Um, the reason I did it with Just My Luck is there are a number of viewpoints in Just My Luck. So the, the premise is um, three couples who've been friends forever for 15 years. They met when their kids were first born and they joined a postnatal group. They live in each other's pockets, possibly a little bit. If you're a reader, you'd be thinking, oh, you're all a bit codependent because the kids have now grown up and, you know, kind of dating each other and best friends with each other. And, you know, you, you just know it's going to go wrong. Yeah, yeah. And they haven't given each other enough space. But one of the things, they have a number of rituals they do together. They have Saturday suppers together and they obviously do the big occasions like bonfire night and New Year's Eve and all that. But one of the things they do every Saturday at these suppers is they buy a lottery ticket and they... Um, I used to watch the lottery on the TV and then after that they look it up on YouTube and it's just a bit of fun. Hmm. Sometimes they win a tenner and it goes towards next week's takeaway and that kind of thing. And then they, over the years there are some cracks in these friendships and two of the couples do socially do a bit better and their jobs go well and they move on. And they one day at a supper kind of say, we don't want to do the lottery anymore. We, we kind of think we're above it, if they're honest, that's what they say. <laughs> And it kicks off onto all sorts of other little niggles they've all got off on e with each other. 
and huge row, very heartbreaking, as anybody who's ever had a friendship group to go to the wall knows. And the couple that usually buy the ticket continue to buy the ticket with the same numbers. And it wins. <gasps> right. Yeah. And they win £80 million. Pounds. And of course, Lexi and Jake have this ticket worth £80 million, pounds, but the, the other friends are determined to take a claim of this um, and, and have a share of it. And it's what lens people will go to and, and what price what's prices on everybody's head you know um, because everybody does have a price it's just working out what it is and it might not be cash it might be friendship it might be your children you know all of those things are in this book Oh, that's that's such ripe territory for drama and chaos, isn't it? I mean, you think, yeah, yeah it's just you think back to people like uh, was it who's that woman who won the polls? Viv Viv Nichols was yeah, it? Yeah. Viv Nicholson, ben, ben, yeah. Ben. yeah, 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 yeah. So it's it can be so distractive. Well, that sounds absolutely brilliant, and uh, I'm sure the bestseller lists beckon once more. Now, I was when I was first doing my research, I think we're we're roughly about the same age, and I was thinking, oh, first book published in 2000. Now, I kind of think of the year 2000 as five minutes ago <laughs> because it's 20 years ago what advice do you have for that young lady who left a book in an agent's reception and i hope it would get published what advice do you have for for young adele oh young adele i would just tell her to just trust a bit more worry a bit less <laughs> um i I am very positive human being. I I, I I decide to be positive, though. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, I, I pick to be it. I think we could all... I think some people are just naturally very buoyant. I think because of the things I went through relatively young, I know that the world can be slippery, so I choose to be positive, and I choose whatever comes and other things have come along since, that I think, right, okay, you can't affect what happens to you, but you can affect how to react to it. And I'm trying to keep that mantra up for the, the 20 years. I've worked very, very hard. I think I might say to young Adele 20 years ago, you know, you are allowed a night a few nights off. <laughs> <laughs> you are allowed a little bit more fun than you allowed yourself. I actually have given myself a lot of fun when I hit my 50th, which last February, I was just like, yeah, seriously. Just, <laughs> why is it taking you so long? And suddenly I think I'm turning the clocks back. I, I mean, it sounds really vain going, oh, I look younger, but I think I do. I think it's because I've relaxed. I I've got a bit of an attitude of, oh, it'd be fine. And yeah. because I think I now see most things genuinely are. And if things aren't fine, then all you can do is is do your best about the fact that they're not fine. So, yeah, I would tell young Adele it's going to be fine. Uh, she should worry less. She should go out more. Um, I would also probably tell her that she still does need to do a thousand to two thousand words a day <laughs> because I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't do that. So I'm not knocking the work ethic. I think it is important. Yeah. Um, I would also tell her not to hate her curly hair quite so much. <laughs> <laughs> And indeed do have curly hair. But I torture my poor curly hair into as straight as possible thing. And I just look back and think, why didn't I just embrace the curls? That's uh, that's perhaps less useful for some of our listeners. But I, <laughs> <laughs> I think... But I suppose if you widen it out, it embrace who you are. Exactly. Yes, it yes, is. yes. Yeah. Uh, Adele, yeah. thank you so much for talking to us today. Uh, really looking forward to Just My Luck and whatever comes. And to the next 20 years. Yay! Thank you so much. 20 books in 20 years. I mean, it's kind of mind-blowing, isn't it? 
when you think about it. Hey, not as mind blow. I've never had in all the interviews I've done, I've never had a declaration of love from one of our. <laughs> I know. Okay. I was like, Mister Stay. It's a good job that it was done remotely. Is all I can not, say. Not even when we've had my wife on the show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's it's incredible. It's an incredible career, and I just think oh. that uh, that oh, there's so much to talk about. I just love that you know that she she has this incredible method where she gets to fifty thousand words, reads it to her husband, reads and it that, out. That's when she might throw it out. You know, uh, know. There's, there's so much. Could you to imagine? About. I know. Where do you Could want you to start? Where do, where, do you wanna, where do you want to start? Because this is this. I this. Well, the, okay. Let's start at the beginning because for me. One of the one of the really interesting things Adele talked about, which really jumped out for me, was this idea that uh, her it was her grandparent, wasn't it? Who granddad uh, who, who paid ba- paid a fifty p fifty p? I just genius. Yeah, it's brilliant. Like you compare that to like doing a writing degree that costs you what twenty five grand. <laughs> that was the cheapest investment in the education of a child ever. Even though fifty p, like she said back in the day, would have bought you at least what. A hundred blackjacks or fruit salads. That's a that's or a mo- or mojos. That's a comic and uh, you know yeah a sweet that's a comic and, and a, a uh, juice a sucker box or something. Box. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. All, yeah. all eaten and read by the time you walked home from the bus. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But um, but what I loved about what I loved about this is it made me stop and think about what it is to be a writer, but also what it is to be a writer and a parent. Mm -hmm. And especially right now, being a writer, parent and homeschool teacher, as I've been nominated by my school, as every single parent in the world pretty much has been. And it makes makes me realise that there is such an important role that we play as parents or grandparents, as I know many people listening will be grandparents as well. And we just never know. We just never know when we engage with our children in some form of creativity, you know, music, writing, art, um, what that might lead to. So all the parents who are struggling with homeschooling like me right now, oh my gosh, it's, it's you know, to try and balance everything right now is bonkers. But it's an opportunity to get your children to read um, and think about writing and even write as well. And we've got some amazing parents who have pulled their children in to the BXP 2020 challenge. Um, Steve Galland, I believe it is, who's got his mm, uh, two, two youngsters under mm. 10 who are doing the 200 word a day challenge. Maybe that's something that people could be doing, but I just commend Adele's grandfather for doing what he did because it does beg the question, doesn't it? If, if he hadn't have been that person to, to really encourage her, even though he was doing it for other motivations as well, which I loved. But if he, if he, if he was doing it, um, if he was, if, you know, if he, if, did he have any idea what he was doing and what that could be, could turn into? And also would we even have Adele Parks, the author today, Mm. if it wasn't for him? Yeah. So it really is, it's a really important point to self-reflect on because I do think that what we do as writers uh, is an opportunity to inspire our kids and it doesn't necessarily mean that they want to go into writing, but it shows them that they can achieve something when you prove that you can achieve achieve your dreams. But it's such a yeah, it's it's we could deep dive on this alone and we could do a whole hour discussion on it, which I think we'll do one day. But um, <laughs> yeah. that really that was a huge moment for me in the interview. 
yeah no it's it's um that little tap on the shoulder that little acknowledgement that you can do this i did put i found a thing online which i put on the bxp group was is one of those little cartoons and it's a little girl in class and the teacher says to her, maria i loved your writing assignment you're really good at this and the caption says Maria wanted to become a writer, thus her life was ruined. (laughs) 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 We joke about, but you know, it is once you once you think actually I I am good at this. It is a struggle. It's never going to be easy. There are, as you know, as Adele says, there are ups and downs. It's not. It doesn't mean you know you're going to have an easy ride. But that thing of knowing that you and and just saying to a child or having been told as a child, yeah, you know what, you're good at this. Keep it up. It makes such a difference. It does. And actually on that note as well, I think when children, children have very pliable brains at a very young age. And the more that they can practice using their imagination in the form of writing, because kids are amazing for imaginations. I mean, you know, they're just off the fairies, literally half the time, you know, being a knight one minute and saving the world the next. It's like the imagination is just phenomenal. They're like walking stories. They're walking characters and stories constantly. And I do think that if, if we can channel and hone uh, the, 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 the imagination through writing at a young age, I really think that does help set them up for a future as a storyteller and a writer. Because I notice with kids, the more that they kind of learn, well, they, they're just so, their brains are so pliable at a young age that they learn things so much quicker. I mean, you watch, I, mean, I watched my son learn piano when he was so young and I was thinking, oh my gosh, it's just like, I couldn't learn that in a year if I tried it that he's learning in a week right now. And I think, I think that's another big thing that we, we don't see is the investment we put in our kids at an early age pays huge dividends later as well. So it's just, yeah, and, and Adele's living proof of that. She really is. Um, the, the other things, while we're still on kids and the influence that we have on our kids, is the inadvertent thing. She says that adults forget that kids are in the room. So she would sit there quietly picking up on adult conversation and gossip, and I did the same. I did. I would sit there quietly and listening to parents gossip and, and uncles and aunts and chatter away and just picking up on those little rhythms of speech and stuff. That's a huge influence on how I've written. And when I see people like Mike Lee who do that naturalistic conversation, I loved that. But also she's interested in people's stories which i think is one of those key ingredients to being to being a writer is and so many writers are people watchers is one of the reasons we like to write in cafes and pubs or what have you You know you see people about Mm. you 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 blend into the background and you listen and you pick up stuff little cadences and rhythms and little words and phrases and that's such an important thing uh, to do it's it's so much fun yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure I'm not the only writer that does this, but one of my favorite favorite things in the world to do is if I'm out and about and I see someone that kind of grabs my eye and is an interesting character, I think wonder what's going on in their world oh, and you start yeah, 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 yeah. all the time right? and you start kind of making up a story and you know that you know you're probably over dramatizing it, but it's fun to play with. Yeah. Because uh, you know, each person and, and really behind behind the the scenes, as it were, everyone has a fascinating story. Everyone has something incredible to share or tell. So, mm. yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? And it, I think them writing it kind of like feeds that imagination when you go out into the world. So it kind of it's it's a it's a, a kind of a um, a system that kind of feeds off each other and it kind of continues to build and build. And you, yeah, it's brilliant. I love it. One other one other big thing, obviously, I mean, this is something I really connected with, was her talk about grief counselling, something I've done a, a fair bit of actually recently. Um, you know, it's something which, it's interesting. Like we, we talk about grief and we always think about grief in terms of death, 
But I always, the thing I've learned through my own journey is that actually grief is the loss of anything. And in some ways, we're all grieving right now. We're grieving from the loss of the life that we had before the virus came here. And I talk to a lot of people through coaching and just friends and family who talk about going through this cycle of ups and downs right now. They say, God, you know, it's really weird. Like, I feel really great a couple of days and then I kind of crash and I feel really crappy for a few days and then I feel better again. And mm. it's this up and down. And I think that's the grief. I think it's the grief that we're all experiencing, but no one's naming it as grief because, you know, People think grief is exclusive to people that have lost, a, a, you know, somebody they love. But it's not. Grief is loss, loss on any level. So it's interesting to hear about the journey that Adele went through. But she also then made this really interesting connection, which was the idea that when something tragic happens in your life, it's an opportunity to grow from it. You know, it's like the, it's like a seed is left by the person that passes away, for example, which which gives you an opportunity to see the world differently. And I think from her perspective, she talks about how she's chosen to be positive. Yes. And that came probably from all of the challenges and the grief that she experienced at, at an earlier stage in her life. And she, you know, a lot of people talk about the gifts that come from these things. Mm. And I love the fact, I love the fact that, her story kind of her story as a writer starts almost with those grief counseling sessions that she had it's yeah fascinating very much i mean two things two quotes I, I jotted down in my notes one one is the grief counselor helped her to open up and be raw she says by her own admission those first few books she was writing about other people but as she progressed as a writer she she allowed herself to write more about her own raw feeling and i think that 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 combination of being able like i said to listen to people to to draw in their stories but also to to put yourself in there and allow yourself to, to the raw emotion. I think that combination is what makes her such a successful writer. But the, the other thing as well is that the grief counsellor said to her, what can you do that you can control that makes you happy? And writing, again, you know, we talk about writing being that happy place where we have control. If it's just 20 minutes a day or if you're really lucky like me, I get two hours a day and appreciate that's a big privilege that I have. But what can you do that you control that makes you happy? And writing is that thing. Writing is that place that you can go to. Because they say that the key to unhappiness, you know, the, 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 you, you'll be unhappy and depressed if you worry about things you can't control. Don't worry about those. Think about the things you can control. And mm. if write, writing is that gift. Writing is that thing that you can control and carve out some space for it and put yourself into it and get it on the page. Yeah, I think I think that's super important because it again links back to what we talked earlier about, you know, right now what can we control? We can't control a virus that's that's going around the world. We can't control decisions governments make or things we're told that we need to do right now for the safety of others. But what we can control that we can that makes us happy is an opportunity to take a break, a mental break from all of the, you know, the the, the John Hopkins latest tally or cut count numbers or the latest headlines. Writing gives you a point to 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 just it's almost like a mindfulness exercise that can just take your mind off all of those things. And if you enjoy doing it, then you come out of it feeling much more resilient for the rest of the day. Another reason actually to do writing early uh meditation actually weirdly enough mark i know you love a bit of meditation don't you um but <laughs> I, 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 I like a nap if that... <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a form of meditation but they say if you meditate at the beginning of the day it kind of it kind of helps you 
through the day through the kind of like the peaks of challenges that you get and if you if you're more in a calm state you can kind of like just ride the waves a bit more rather than kind of constantly crashing off the wave and i think the same applies to writing i mean here's you start i think not that i meditate myself but you'll be able to tell me this i think there's a huge crossover in the state of mind you get into when you're meditating and when you're writing because like i said right when i'm in the groove as i am in the when you're starting it's really hard it's it's pushing that boulder but i'm in a groove yeah. at the moment i'm having a really good time the deep bar thing it is like emerging from hypnosis or something you know i yes. I, I it's it's that state of mind if you can achieve it that kind of writing zen if you want to go into the science of it, there's all kinds of different brain waves, theta, beta. And like when you go into a meditative state, you, you're going into a very, a, a very different, um, a, a different wave of brain activity. And it's interesting because they talk about in, in meditation, they say, focus on your breath. That's the, that's one of the main techniques. But is it focusing on the breath or is it just focus on something? So as you, if you think about when you're writing, you're focusing on something specific like a character or a situation interestingly though if you, if you flip it around a lot of people say no no writing's not like meditation because a lot of classic meditation practice is about clearing your mind and when you think about as a writer i know about you mark but my mind's just completely jumbled it's like oh my gosh what about this idea this character jumping so but i i think it's not as simple as that i think that the two are very deeply linked i think they're very deeply linked and i think that any practice that that gets you to focus on something to the dis to, and avoiding the distractions of the outside world or in the case of your busy mind with all of your problems that you're worrying about the focus means that you become exclusive to what you're doing and that probably has a large effect in meditation well, it has a large effect in meditation it probably has a very large effect in writing so i think there is a big link there mark yeah it's interesting because for me a lot of writing is about problem solving it's about sorting things into an order and i've, I've said before the you know, writing is how i make sense of the world it's how a lot of writers make sense of the world it's about them saying here here is how i see this set of issues or characters or ideas and you're putting them into an order and it's you know you sometimes you're taking away the chaos and randomness of life and that but that's what storytelling is it's making sense mm. of the chaos and the randomness and saying hey what about this and for me that is yeah it's just well, again, could talk about this for hours, couldn't we? We could go deep. I think we will go deep one day on that. That's a really fascinating subject. And um, yeah, if you're interested in, in, in us discussing more about that, then then drop us a note for sure. Or, or even more importantly, if you've experienced that, if you meditate and you write, which I do both, but there are some people who, who like, you know, meditate all their life and go on two week silent retreats and things. If, you, if you've gone on this journey with meditation and you can draw analogies with writing. Let us know, because we'd love to talk a bit more about that on the podcast. A fascinating area. Never heard anyone talk about this ever before, Mark. <laughs> I think we, we might be on something new here. Okay, next thing. Yes. Adele talked about that infamous ongoing dilemma and debate, which now you're a massive part of, Mr. Stay, plotting or pantsing. Uh, now, she said she's a, she's a planner, she's a plotter. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. what she said, though, and interestingly, she said, to be most efficient, I have to plan, mm. which is really interesting because that's always been my take on it. I don't think either is right or wrong, no. but I think if you want to finish your book in a timely manner, 
um, pantsing can sometimes lead you a bit around the houses. Sometimes not. Sometimes it can be an incredibly like direct journey. But I'm still, I'm still plotting. And actually, I was plotting this weekend. Uh, I just had this incredible kind of rush of ideas. I've had this working on this plot idea, which I mean, something not quite working. And the, and suddenly the solution came to me and I was out plotting like crazy. And so that's just how my brain works. But you're doing both now. You're pantsing as well. But do you, do you agree with Adele that, that, that if you if you need to do something efficiently, in her case, like write that book, get it to a publisher and keep up her kind of yearly release schedule, that planning is the only way to go? Well, if you're under contract... Uh, you generally, what you have to do is say sign a three book contract. Publishers will want to see paragraphs for those, you know, those three books. You're not obliged to stick to those, but you will present them and you'll say, here's what book one's about. Here's what book two and book three will be. And book three, by the time you get to book three, it's all going a bit vague, you know. Um, some people will present, you know, detailed synopses. And certainly in screenwriting, it's still very important because you're dealing with people. I'm, I'm just starting a project actually where I'm working with someone who might be commissioning me to write something. And I know I'm going to have to present them with a pretty detailed beat sheet of how the story goes. And that's fine. I mean, that's, that's, that's all cool. I've, like I said, I've done both. I don't, I don't think one is necessarily better than the other. But I have the opportunity to pant something and I'm, I, I've never really done it this way before. And I'm Loving it, absolutely loving it. But that's with years of experience behind me where I know the shape of a story. I'm dealing with characters I already know. Um, Whereas, as I said, Adele reinvents herself every time. So it's not like she has a detective who's solving crimes. You know, it's it's not like she's in a, a precinct, you know, like a village or a location or something where the same characters appear. She's writing a different book every single time. So I think for her, that is part of her process and that's great and i think this thing that she does where she takes a break at fifty thousand words and then decides you know there there she's making the big decisions she's saying okay is the point of view correct is the pace correct uh and she said there's a quote she says you know she says to herself you can work harder you can be better and she said to her editor she says i'm cruel to myself so you don't have to be cruel to me so she's clearly very very methodical which is incredible you have to admire that and that's you find find your own method you find your own way of doing things it comes back to that thing she says you know there's still no clear path to being published there's still no clear path to writing a book if only there was someone to show you the way and help you find your own path but that's another story but yes it's that it's that thing of you know you find your own way of doing things and i don't think it's right or wrong but it bloody hell it works for adele doesn't it that's amazing. Yeah. And actually, do you know, I'm just going to say there's so many Easter eggs in this episode. Honestly, folks, listen back to this episode in about a year and a half from now and you'll, you'll be picking up all kinds of fun Easter eggs that we're dropping. But anyway, um, the thing that she said is it's easier to start if I know how it ends. And I so resonate with that. It's like I can't get in the car, just how my brain works. I can't really get in the car and drive around aimlessly. I need to get in the car and know that I'm heading towards... I'm heading, at least I'm heading north, east, south or west, or I'm heading towards a particular address where I'm saying meeting someone. And I know that there's going to be diversions along the road. I know there might be a traffic jam where I slow down and get stuck, but at least I know where I'm heading and I'll always get there if I know the destination. And I, so I really resonate with that. And I'm definitely, I'm definitely on the plotter's side still, but again, it's not an either or like you're proving. I think it's actually really good to try both because then it might be the project needs one or the other. Right? Yeah, it's if, not even the writer. If you want to carry on the journey driving analogy, as long as you're not driving to Durham to test your eyes, 
Hmm. Um, Absolutely. If you want to, it's a topical joke for you. If you want to yeah, take yeah. that analogy a bit further, all I, I know where I'm going. I know how my story ends. I know, I know uh. the the big. Because that's unusual, though, for pantsers. Pantsers well, usually are just I, literally I, I, I writing by the seat of their pants. I wrote a couple of pages, you know, eight or nine hundred words, where I, I know the beginning, middle, and end. I remember when we talked to Martina Cole, she said something similar. She says, I know the beginning, middle, and end. She reserves the right to change it. So I know where I'm going. It's just the signposts are that little bit much further apart. Uh, ah, interesting. So it's, it's kind of like, oh, my gosh, we're talking middle ground here now. We're talking... You plot the start, middle, and end, and then you pants in between. Which because everyone always talks black and white about you either pants it like like Stephen King talks about. He just comes up with a what if statement and starts writing. What if there's a rabid dog outside yeah. a car which yeah. is trapping you know a mum and a, a son, Cujo? But then there's plotters like J.K. Rowling who like plotted out her seven whole seven series. In fact, we should talk about her as well because she's made a big announcement. Um, so you've got these kind of, I'm definitely a pants or a plotter. There needs to be a word in the middle. What would that be, Mark? How would you combine the two? There's, there's not even a way of doing it, is there? Because they're basically with PL. A p, a p, a p, a p, a plot, a plot. I got the word. A writer. <laughs> hey, hey. Oh, that's good. I like that. I like that. That's good. Mark, there's so much more to talk about. And we're literally, I mean... You know, people have got things to do. They've got their day to get on with. They've got their kids to homeschool. The dishes don't get done. Well, they can get done actually doing the po- listening to podcasts because that's what a lot of people that's do. That's what I'm doing, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. In fact, I'm, I'm doing the dishes whilst we record this. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got this I've got this new noise cancellation microphone so you haven't heard me like turning on the water and stuff. But Look, before, but, we, yeah. before we stop talking about Adele, I did say I would reveal the outcome <gasps> So yes. just, a okay, couple, drum roll. just a few hours ago, she Hang announced... On, drum roll, drum, drum roll, drum roll. Hang on a sec. <laughs> Sound like a herd of elephants. Uh, she, <laughs> she announced Just My Luck, her new book, Sunday Times number one bestseller. So Adele smashed it. 20 for 20. Absolutely 20 brilliant. For 20. That's, incre- that's an incredible run. Incredible run. Oh, you obviously... I, I should change my name to Adele. Anything with Dell and numbers seems to sell millions, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, that's true. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Adele yeah. should call the next um, book 21. <laughs> I know, exactly. Exactly. That's brilliant. Well, well done, Adele. Uh, completely huge dose of inspiration this week, which is what we can all do about. And I've got to say, I absolutely loved the interview. I loved Adele's energy. Mm. So much fun. Absolutely. It should be an absolute blast go out for a for a for a chat on a on a on down an English pub one night and talk about writing <laughs> absolutely fantastic so thank you so much Adele for coming on the show uh for being your uh, joyous self and for for showing the way you know showing what how it how this works how you can go from um being paid 50p by your grandfather to obviously being able to pay him back a little bit more no doubt <laughs> that'd be awesome wouldn't it grandpa i've got you all of the 50ps that you gave me i just sold my millionth copy of the book and that'd be awesome mate eh? that's a lovely lovely thought that'd be brilliant yeah excellent stuff ah <sighs> well it's been a fantastic episode mr stay and i know we've still got social media to get on with and we so have. let's rock on with that we have let's rattle through it there's some really really good stuff again good news from our listeners i'll tell you what before i forget i'm going to do the one that i talked about because we talked about uh this idea of you know just free writing or whatever rachel howes got in touch she said i discovered 
a new writing style today. As I lay down with my laptop resting on my legs, I looked to the ceiling. Fingers in situ and delicately balanced, poised in the starting position of a trained touch typist. I close my eyes and, without looking at the screen, I see the story unfold as images, moving pictures even, and my fingers begin tapping away. Unconsciously, I wrote 1,115 words in just under an hour. It became almost, here's a word, meditative. Eh? Eh? <gasps> eh? And Rachel says, upon reading it back, there were no typos. And what's more, it was compelling stuff. Uh, unorthodox, I know, but wow. it made me wonder if anyone else has any unusual writing quirks. Well, that's just lying back. And she she did put a photo of her basically lying on this sofa, looking at the ceiling. So she's, to, yeah. so she's not looking at... Yeah, because she's touch typing. Yeah. I've always said touch typing is an incredible skill to learn. Mm. Absolutely. No, no typos, though. That's impressive. That's really I good. love it. I mean, it, it, it kind of is a bit serendipitous... Um, and and a bit spooky that we were just talking about that earlier about yeah. meditation and and that I you know I think there's a whole thing what I think I think what Rachel's done there is she's is she's kind of tapping into the power of visualization because visualization is all imagination and um it's all about it's all about seeing as a movie in your head what you're wanting to write about and yes. there could be a whole other thing to talk about here which is the idea of intentional writing which is something that i'm kind of starting to kind of develop an idea around but the idea really in a nutshell is that you visualize what you want to write before you start writing it and that's I do really that. what rachel's tapping into i think it's incredibly powerful yeah the brain does not know what's imagined or real. So if you're visualizing it, your brain is actually almost experiencing it. And then emotionally, you can start to get into that space. So I love it, Rachel. Let us know how that goes. Is that going to become part of your writing on a regular basis, Rachel? I'd like to understand and hear about how that goes. Could you even write a whole book, never looking at the screen? That mm -hmm. would be amazing. And that would be an incredible bit of PR for the book as well. The book that the <laughs> author never saw. <laughs> Love oh, good stuff good stuff uh more good news more good news daisy tate again another supporter of patron uh, she said uh, she's just had a cover reveal for her, her novel a bicycle built for sue which is absolutely delightful so congratulations on that daisy abigail well man who was on the podcast a little while ago uh talking about the uh, comedy women uh in in print prize uh, she was last year's winner her book which was the winning book the lonely fajita came out there's a lovely picture of adele uh with champagne and flowers and her book and she's had a quote from david nichols david nichols right uh who <laughs> says it's witty wise and thoroughly entertaining so yay this is fantastic absolutely fantastic it's a big big congratulations to abigail man there uh, well done uh, abigail Steve Gowland. We mentioned Steve before. Steve has been, uh, we tend to post, because if you use the hashtag BXP2020, if you're doing the 200 words a day challenge, use the hashtag BXP2020 to put it out there on Twitter and we'll retweet you and we'll be, you know, we'll be your partner out there. He's, he's, we both sort of, um, usually when I start writing, I, he's already tweeted his word count. Well, here we go. Just the other day he put, after five long, hard years, this happened today. Submitted and proofs due to arrive on Friday. Ebook being reviewed as well. So scared and excited at the same time. So it's a screen grab of his Kindle page. Your paperback has been submitted. Uh, the Soul's Abyss 
book one, The Dark Crown. Fantastic cover, great fantasy. He's writing it as S.C. Gowland. Steve, it's been great seeing your tweets every day with your word count. They've been really, really entertaining. If the book is half as entertaining as those, it's going to be a smash. So uh, big congrats to you, Steve. It's fantastic. Yeah, well done, Steve. Absolutely brilliant. Proud of you. Proud of him. Uh, Paul Ardwan. Now, you may remember, Paul did a public declaration in December to write five books in 2020. Okay? So he's just (laughs) finished the second 106,000-word murder mystery, which he started on the 1st of April, and with the BXP 2020 challenge help, completed on Wednesday. I mean, <laughs> that's bonkers. just Paul astonishing absolutely astonishing so big congrats there Paul as well, well uh, and who have we got Shel, Shel Vest she wrote 3,000 words today and she finally typed the end on a 10,000 word short story fantastic Shel huge congratulations now this this uh, I've got a little sp- spoiler here because this is something some of our group in the bestseller experiment they've got together they're going to do an anthology of short stories reimaginations of the Snow White story snow white legend i've i've been able to read a couple they're absolutely brilliant they're really really good and shell has written one of these as well so huge congratulations shell that's just brilliant and last but by no means least rebecca powell just hit sixty thousand words thanks to the bxp 2020 challenge turns out writing every day actually works no <laughs> need to insert some serious structure into this web of words but at least those words are now out of my head and on the page congratulations rebecca so Boom. Brilliant. Fantastic news. Left, right, and center. Well done, Shell. Well done, Rebecca. So it's oh, I love this. As I said, we could just we could just do a podcast of like talking about all the successes of all the people who listen to the show. Uh, which it's just it fills us up. So thank you so much for sharing those stories with you as well, with us as well. And if you're holding back and you and you're just, you know, you're feeling a bit humble and you don't want to shout about some some achievements that you've made, now is the time. To break out of that shell and send us your successes and send us your public declarations. If, you, if you're listening to this thing, oh, these people are doing so well and I've done nothing. Well, it starts with a public declaration. It starts with you telling us what you want to do. If you're one of these people that's been sitting around for years and you've never written a book and you've always desperately wanted to write, now is the time. Send us a public de- declaration. All it requires is a statement from you about what you want to achieve and a date by which you want to do it and make it realistic yes. make it crazy i mean you know we've got all the examples of people doing things you know as paul who's doing like <laughs> three thousand books in a year and then other people who are finishing finishing their novellas so it really doesn't matter what your public it's not size size does not matter in this case right it's about what you want to do to start your journey or continue the next level of your journey you know we are all kind of super mario trying to you know keep on leveling up through the writing so to send us your stories and your declarations and you can do that by going to bestsellerexperiment.com and click on the contact form and send us a message mark and i read everything we get we'd Mm. love to hear from you and you can also reach out to us on twitter uh, Twitter, social media, Facebook. We're on Facebook. Uh, Twitter is at Bestseller XP. Instagram is at Bestseller XP as well. Uh, so come and say hi. Come and use the hashtags. Come and find us. Tell us what you're up to. We absolutely love it. I'm on there every day. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and give us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, big thank you as always to our editors, Dave and JD, who make us sound amazing. And yeah, just keep writing, folks, because keep going. And the 2020 challenge goes from strength to strength. You know, look us up on there. You can find out 
out about it. Bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash BXP 2020. You'll find all the details there too. Indeed. And talking of record-breaking things, I think, Mark, looking at the clock, <laughs> I do think this is our longest ever episode. Oh. So for all those people that are ruining the time when we used to come to you weekly, because we're working on something very big and we need a little bit of extra time to work on that. But for all of you that were complaining, that no one complained, actually, it's awesome. But <laughs> for all of you that wished we were coming weekly, we're giving you just double doses. It's just double doses. So, um, uh, what, nearly an hour and a half for this one? Oh, my gosh, Mark. That's... Um... Yeah, bonkers. Bonkers. It is unbelievable. Well, thank you so much for listening. Have an incredible couple of writing weeks. Stay safe. Stay, stay happy. Stay positive. And you know, remember that writing is one of the most important things that you could do in your life. Make time for it, and let your imaginations run right. That's goodbye from Mark One. And goodbye from Mark Two. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.